Hey sister, this is Misty Williams, founder of HealingRosie.com, and I'm so excited to welcome you to Rosie Radio. Tune in to find clarity, direction, and hope for your healing. New episodes drop every Tuesday. We created this show to empower you to regain control of your life and feel like yourself again. Yes, sister, it is possible. I am thrilled to have my friend Ashley interviewing with us today because there is a piece to this whole puzzle that has been baffling to me as a patient for the last decade. And it relates to really uncovering the upstream stressors. And even after having conversations with really amazing experts in our space about upstream stressors and what they are, it still was challenging for me as a patient, as someone who is not a practitioner, um, to figure out how to properly eradicate things. And my experience also was that a lot of the really great practitioners that I worked with weren't necessarily experts in toxicity. So while they could help with some of the symptoms I was dealing with, really eradicating those symptoms wheelhouse, and you know that can be challenging in its own way. So I wanted to talk to Ashley because she has been working with Dr. Pompa um, for quite a while. She's a practitioner for him and knows a lot about detoxification and how to really deal with these upstream stressors. And today we're going to dig in to that whole juicy conversation. My goal for all of us is to... Um, complete this interview feeling a lot more clarity around what we need to do to uncover the upstream stressors. How do you properly test? What are the upstream stressors? We're going to get into that. And then how do you properly test for them? And then how do you go about eradicating these stressors? So we're going to fire hose you like crazy. This is going to be one of those interviews where you're probably going to want to hit pause and rewind and maybe listen to a few times and take some notes. Um, it would be impossible for us to really do this justice in an interview format, meaning there's a lot of nuance to how you go about detoxification that we're not going to be able to get into in this conversation. But I want you to be empowered with enough of the know-how that you can properly vet practitioners and find someone to help you on this journey and have some clarity as you know, the person who's ultimately responsible for your health on what you're looking for. So, you know, if someone could really help you with detoxification. So welcome, Ashley. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. What an intro. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, let's just dive right in because we have a lot of ground to cover here. And I want to start with this idea of upstream stressors, because as I've mentioned in other interviews, you know, I have these diagnoses, endometriosis, premature ovarian failure. I have nodules on my thyroid. Um, I've dealt with hypothyroidism. I've, you know, labels basically of like, here's, here's all the things that are basically off in my body. And then there tends to be in our space, a lot of, um, biohacking, I guess we could call it health hacking of, well, when you have that condition, here's some things that you could do to give your body extra support. And what I found over a decade is that I benefited from the extra support, but I was still always having to deal with these symptoms, right? I was still having to deal with the disease and do these crazy lifestyle modifications, diet eliminations, you know, all the things to manage the condition, which isn't the same as healing it. And the last few years, I have really been trying to dig my teeth into this healing thing. I think I'm making some good progress, but I say trying because it's challenging when you find out that a lot of the really smart practitioners in our space that can teach you a lot about a lot of things actually don't understand this upstream stressor challenge that we're having. And I want everyone to be aware of the root causes of probably why 90% of us are dealing with any symptomology at all. It's because we have these upstream stressors that are making us sick. And I'm excited for us to just start unpacking that. So maybe we could just start out with you giving us a, an overview on what the major upstream stressors are. That is such a good question. And it's, it is always important to look at the cause, right? So 
we as holistic practitioners, we are not, we don't follow the band-aid approach. We're not, we don't do symptom management, right? And that's what the medical model, model is, is symptom management. You go to your doctor, you let them know what's going on. They might run some labs and they just give you something for it. And your symptoms might subside for a little while until they don't, they come back even worse. And the doctor might adjust your medication from there. And so what we do that's so differently is figuring out, well, why do you have these problems to begin with? Now, these are often, if you have, you know, let's say you're hypothyroid or um, you suddenly have autoimmune conditions that pop up. Those aren't your problem. Those are symptoms of the bigger problem. We want to ask, well, what is the bigger problem? What is causing this autoimmune flare? What is causing your epigenetics, your genes to turn on? You know, we all have these gene expressions that can be turned on or off due to lifestyle. We want to ask these questions and a lot of practitioners miss the mark. And so a lot of the upstream uh, root causes, all the upstream stressors that I see all the time, heavy metals, right? And so one of the biggest sources of heavy metals are amalgam fillings um, that are in your teeth. Sometimes we don't even know we have them. They can be buried under a crown. Um, sometimes you've had it for so long, you barely even know it's there. Or your dentist says to you, oh, mercury is totally safe. Or, you know, the, the fillings I use, they're fine. It's more dangerous to remove them um, than to leave them in. It's just so small. So that is huge. Um, so I believe anyone who has any amalgam in their teeth needs to get that removed by a skilled biological dentist who practices safe mercury removal. Um, now, sometimes we never had amalgam fillings, but we still might struggle with high mercury. Um, a lot of times that could just be passed on to us in utero. So if your mother had a lot of amalgam fillings, and especially if you were the firstborn, there's a good chance that you were born with a toxic burden that might not have presented itself to you until further along in your life, but it's not going to detox itself. So we still need to get it out of you. Um, mold is another big one. So a lot of people either currently live or have lived in moldy environments or worked in moldy environments or spent a lot of time in buildings or, you know, that are filled with mold. And so again, we bioaccumulate something like mold over many, many years. And again, we don't know it's there until our bucket literally spills over and suddenly we're dealing with all kinds of health problems that, um, again, we don't want to just, you know, manage the symptoms. We want to figure out, well, what is, what is this here? And a lot of times there's several things going on. Um, it's the metals and the mold, and it could be Lyme. Lyme is a big one. It could be, you know, stored viruses and bacteria, you know, things that again, maybe we've had, we had a lot of bacterial infections or viruses as a child, just store in your cell membrane, just like other toxins. Um, and it can be environmental. It could be glyphosate. It can be um, even, you know, you might eat organic food, but maybe your neighbor sprays Roundup on their lawn and you're breathing that in every time you go outside. So it's really just getting to figure out the chemical, um, the emotional and the physical stress. Um, and when I say emotional too, it's a lot of past trauma, a lot of things that can also sort of be stored in our bodies. And so, you know, we have this analogy where, you know, you just keep adding these stressors, adding, adding, adding over your lifetime, eventually it's going to spill over. And that's when you deal with these major health, um, symptoms or conditions or diagnoses from your doctor that just feels like it happened overnight, but it really took a while to um, yeah. get to that point. And then we need to undo it, figure out what, you know, what tipped it over. So let's, let's kind of unpack each one of these stressors. Yeah. Um, you started with the dental stressors, which I think is, you know, a very significant part of this conversation. I actually found out um, that I had an infected root canal when yeah. I started engaging with all this kind of stuff that had to be removed. And um, they did check my cavitations actually cut into my mouth and I didn't have cavitations, but as I've been hearing you talk more about how to properly um, 
x-ray your mouth for that. I, there's a part of me that feels like, do I really not have cavitations? Like there's, there's ways of going about things. So I'd like for us to start with dental infections and then we can move to metals and mold and even chemicals. And, um, let's talk about how to properly test for each of these things. And then let's talk about the components of a great protocol. Like what do you actually do? Great. Absolutely. Now, a lot of clients, when they, when they decide to do things this way, right? Like a more of a holistic whole body approach, they have probably done tons of blood work, right? The doctor's like, oh, it looks normal. You're within normal range. You're fine. But you know, you're not fine. You know, there's something else going on. So sometimes a test, a more holistic version of a test, things that, you know, a test that actually looks for what we want to see in a a lab um, can be great. However, we store so many toxins deep in our cell membrane and in our brain. And testing often tells you what you're excreting. It doesn't necessarily show you what is stored. So Testing is very useful, but sometimes you want to maybe present work with a skilled practitioner who does this kind of work and have them look at your health history, have them talk to you about what are you struggling with? What is going on? Sometimes you almost need to just get into a cellular detox to start pulling things out. So they are exposed, then maybe do a little testing as things are not so deeply stored. So if you start, if on day one, I'm testing you all over the place, I'm not doing my job because I'm actually probably having you test for a bunch of things that aren't going to show up in a lab. Um, so we kind of want to uncover, we almost want to peel back the layers a little bit before, you know, we start to see things that become more obvious to us. Like, okay, now, you know, you came to me with this, but now I'm actually seeing things that are indicative of mold. And based on what you shared with me about how you lived in a moldy home for 40 years um, and you were cleaning it by yourself, you know, without protection, you know, it's high. It's very likely that, you know, we're dealing with a mold issue here. And so there are some really good tests that will give us sort of a baseline. uh, But sometimes you can just start detoxing. I want to add a point of clarification on this. The reason why you wouldn't test right away Mm -hmm. um, is because your body does everything it can to get all these toxins out of your bloodstream, out of your kidneys, you know, like the way the, all the pathways of the body, they, when the to- toxicity is in those pathways, it's very toxic for your whole body. So, um, your body does everything it can to store those. And it, in my case, that's one of the reasons that I've struggled so much with mm-hmm. my weight going up and down and like not being able to keep it stable is because I'm storing a lot of toxicity and my body is trying to save my life actually yeah. by doing all that storage. But just so that people understand what you mean, when you say you wouldn't want to test right away, it's just because you, it's hard to get to the thing that's stored, right? And exactly. sort of like biopsying your, your fat or something to see what's in there, you know, um, the normal fluids of the body that we can test to see what's in it, um, aren't, aren't going to display. So, um, so starting with some cellular detoxification, as you just described, could be a good start. And I would say I did my molds test after phase two of true cellular detox, right? So the TCD program. So I had everything stirred up pretty well, right? So that we could actually see what was going on in my body, but that's a really good takeaway. So let's go back to the dental stuff. Let's talk about how you test for dental infections and stuff going on with your mouth. Well, dental infections, that is something that your um, dental or your dentist, your skilled biological dentist. Now, unfortunately, you know, there's a small list of dentists who we trust, but that list is growing because I do think the the industry is catching on slightly, um, but you do want to, you know, if you suspect dental infections or cavitations um, or infected root canals, really the only way to know is to get what's called a cone beam or a um, cone beam CT scan, CBCT is the other word for it. It's the only way to actually see what's going on. It's a 3D image. It's not the same as a 3D x-ray. 
Um, it's actually a machine that goes all the way around your head. And when your dentist puts it up on a screen to look at it, it actually, the whole image moves like that. They're, they're, they're moving the whole image like that. So if your dentist is telling you that they're doing it, but it's just a flat image on a screen, it's not the right test. And they really need a very skilled eye to see those. I was standing next to my dentist when she was looking at mine and she saw things that I couldn't have possibly seen. Now, of course I'm not a dentist, but she was like, see this like hole here. And I'm like, I don't see that. And I think if you're not trained, you're not going to see it either. So you really want to, you know, probably not only find a biological dentist who is trained in either like a smart um, procedure, which is a safe mercury removal. That's probably one of your best bets to find someone who even goes a step further um, to look for hidden um, infections and cavitations in your mouth. Um, Because they're hidden for a reason. We often don't have the symptoms. People might have these root canals. Now, 100% of root canals are infected. That is a fact. And so, but people will think, well, my root canal isn't bothering me. It's fine. My dentist said, it's great. It's looking amazing. Well, it's fine for now, but things, you know, the infection could, could grow. And eventually that could be one of those things that tip your, your bucket over later. Um, cavitations usually come from extraction. So if you ever had wisdom teeth removed, which who hasn't really, um, or any other kind of tooth extracted, um, it leaves behind basically a hole. And once it heals, that hole actually can stay filled with bacteria or infection, and it can just sort of grow over time. And the only way to see it is through this 3D image. We want to get in there and clean it out and seal it up with like some ozone and laser and, um, you know, some PRF. And this is going down a big dental rabbit hole, of course, but your dentist, you need to find a dentist who believes things this way, that your health really does start in your mouth and um, you can't heal a body if you don't heal your mouth. I want to add a little clarification on the cavitation thing. As I understand it, when when dentists extract teeth, they often leave ligaments behind. Yeah. When those ligaments are there, your body thinks the tooth is still there. So therefore you don't properly heal that pocket. Mm-hmm. And that's really where the cavitations come from. It's, it's the improper removal yeah. of teeth where you don't get everything out. So just so people understand why you get cavitations... I think that's the primary cause of cavitations. There might be some other nuanced things that could also contribute to cavitations in the mouth. But when your mouth doesn't heal, that bacteria gets trapped um, inside your jaw. And then over time, it can like actually eat away at your jaw and cause all sorts of issues. But these infections, you guys, here's your jaw, here's your brain, right? You're talking about infections that are really, really close to your brain. Like if, if you could pop open the top of my head, like right beyond my nose, you would see my pineal gland, right? I mean, it's like right there. It's not protected by the blood brain barrier. You said that. So you think about like the vulnerability that we all have of infections being so close. It's here, but your lymph nodes are here too, right? So there's Mm -hmm. studies that show that women with breast cancer, as it turns out, they have a cavitation or an infection on that side of their body. Um, It happens very often. So So you definitely, I, this isn't one of those things where like, wait till you have symptoms. You know, I think, I think when you have symptoms, it's a, a dangerous time, you know, let's, let's be proactive and get it out. Okay. I want you to clarify on this cone beam stuff because not all cone beam scans are created equal and not every dentist that can do a cone beam necessarily knows how to properly read that. So how do you vet for the right cone beam and a dentist that actually can read the cone yeah. beam properly? I have you? a working list along with Dr. Pompa. We've been creating this list of dentists who we have personally vetted either with ourselves and our own families or with colleagues who, when we like will call the dentist and say, do you do this? Do you use that? Do you use this? And if it's no on any of them, they do not make it into the list. And so a lot of them though, we have arrangements where they'll work with you virtually. So you might be able to go to a clinic. You can even maybe even go to a local radiology, you know, office. They know nothing about cavitations. They just do the scan because they were told to do it. You can get the file and send it in to one of our dentists 
who can get do a virtual consult with you, let you know what's going on. And then from there, you have to decide, you know, maybe this, maybe one of our dentists can help you find someone locally who can actually do the procedure because it is surgical. It's really the only way you can take care of cavitations. Um, or maybe it's something you want to consider to, you know, travel and maybe it's not too far away and you can actually go and just do it right and have peace of mind that um, it's going to be handled properly. But you really want to be very careful about who you go to because I've heard of a lot of cavitation surgeries not working. They don't stick. They don't use all the proper things to seal you up afterwards. So what are, some of, what are some of these proper things? Well, there's three main things. If you're getting cavitation surgery that need to happen. One is, um, after the surgery, you want to get ozone. So you want to definitely kill any lingering infection with the ozone. They really want to get in there. Basically you're opening up the wound. Like let's say your, your wisdom teeth sites. Um, I just had this procedure done a year ago and same thing, no symptoms, but I just felt like I'm going to get a cone beam. And it turned out I had four really deep, um, cavitations. Um, so they open you up, they basically pull out all of the visible infection, and then you want to kill it, whatever they don't see with ozone. Then you want to seal it up with laser. So you're really, um, sealing it up. So you're like basically causing rapid healing on the site right there. So when they stitch you up, there isn't a chance of trapping anything there because everything has been basically killed right there. Um, and then you want to do something called uh, platelet rich fibrin or PRF, where basically they take some, a blood sample of yours, um, before the procedure, they usually just take it from your arm or something. They spin it in this machine. And what it basically does is it creates fresh stem cells um, that they inject right into the site when you're done with your surgery. So you're just getting this like amazing stem cell treatment from your own body. Um, so those three things, if they do all three of those things, and if you call a dentist and ask, do you do ozone laser and PRF and they know what you're talking about? That's a really good sign. Um, yeah. That's you're probably in pretty good hands. If they know, even know what those things are, or why they would be used. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Dental stuff. That was very great information. I hope everyone is taking notes because this is the kind of stuff that's hard to find out as a patient. I can tell you talk to practitioners and they just want you to be their patient, you know, and, and then you don't really know if you even have a good practitioner that really knows what they're doing. So this is super helpful. Okay. Let's keep moving on here. Let's talk about mold. People um, that are watching probably have heard me in other interviews talk about my experience with being diagnosed last summer with mold. Um, that diagnosis was a result of me going to my practitioner and saying, something is off and we have got to figure this out. And I want to run every test we can <laughs> to figure it out, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so we actually, there was a couple of blood tests that we ran with some inflammatory markers that were through the roof. We did an oat test. We did the mold micro or the mycotoxin test from Great Plains um, and found the mold. And I've been working a detox protocol since then. So talk to us a little bit about mold. Uh, mold is one of those things that can be hard to test for, as you kind of alluded to when you first um, introduced this topic um, for our listeners. So um, let's talk about how to properly provoke, do the provocation so that you can actually pick mold up on a test. And yeah. then what does a good mold protocol look like? And then I have a couple of questions that I'll throw. Yeah, of course. So yeah, mold is one of the more difficult things as you, as you know, and I've talked to you about your own health stuff and it's like, I know it's so frustrating and you think you're onto something and then suddenly you're not. And it's, it is very difficult to test for. Um, now for me, I'm just going to tell you when I, I've tested for mold before because I had the classic symptoms, a lot of sinus issues. Um, I would go into like, if I go into like a kind of a damp room, I like flare, I definitely get like puffy and, and my nose runs and I feel very sensitive to things like that. So I was like, sure. And I feel like I've lived in places that were just moldy. Um, tested negative several, several times. I've done all the tests. When I had my cavitation surgery, they sent a sample of what they scraped out of my cavitations to pathology and it came back filled with mold. So even if my mold tests had shown me I had mold, 
removing the source is the most important thing. And so I wouldn't even attempt to put somebody through um, a real mold detox until we know that a, they're not still living in the mold because it's like drying off in a shower, right? Like you're, you're just not going to make much progress else. You need to make sure you're out of the environment. You might not even know. So sometimes if you can get one test, sometimes I want you to test your environment more than I want you to test your body, because if it's in your environment, it's in your body. So we want to make sure is your home free of mold. Okay, great. Then let's figure out if the mold is in your body from maybe somewhere else you lived or were exposed to, then we can start pulling it out. Otherwise you're wasting your time. But for me, I couldn't have possibly gotten the mold out with anything if I didn't remove the physical source that was stored in my jaw. Um, and then from there, I was able to actually flawlessly start detoxing it because the source was removed. And so we really want to figure out what's the source. Is it in our home? Is it from like a prior living situation? It's just super duper important. So that's like one of the first pieces of the puzzle. Um, but like you experienced, Misty, like it definitely requires the right kind of test. There are several mold tests. Some of them are really, really good, but they're still not perfect. There really is no perfect test for anything. I wish that there was. Um, but we really want to figure out what we're dealing with here, right? And again, we need to provoke it. We need to make sure it's exposed. Um, the thing about cellular detox that I specialize in is it never causes new issues in your body. I say this all the time, but it is exposing issues that you've had all along that maybe you knew about, maybe you didn't, but we're not causing any pain. We're just exposing things. We're getting them out of hiding. We're making sure that they have nowhere um, to bury themselves in your body anymore. And then we can properly get rid of these things. So, so can mold hide you just said mold can hide in cavitations. I am aware that mold can be in breast implants. There's a lot of women oh. in our community who've dealt with breast implant illness yes. and they've have lots of mold issues from, from their implants. So that's another thing that can be, you know, not necessarily from your environment kind of thing, you know, so if it's in your mouth, it's in your breast implants. Are there, is there any other major thing like that, that people should be aware of that mold could just be. Yeah. Mold loves heavy metals. It hides around heavy metals. So even if like, let's say again, you don't have like amalgam fillings in your mouth, but maybe you did at one time and you do have stored mercury in your cell, the mold loves lit hiding there and getting all cozy there. So yeah, heavy metals are sadly, if somebody has some sort of metal like implant in their body, like the mold can really like live around it. So just being aware of any, any sources, but yeah, mold really loves those metals and, you know, we live in a toxic world. So there's a lot of exposures to heavy metals that, you know, we, it's not just mercury, it's lead, it's gadolinium, it's aluminum, it's all kinds of things that we grew up with and didn't really know how bad yeah. it was. So how do we provoke? If we are ready to do some testing for mold, what does provocation look like so that we actually pick up what's in our body? Mm -hmm. Well, it depends on the test. Not all of them need a provoking agent. The only provoking agent I tend to use is DMSA. Um, and that is actually for like a bigger test that I like to run that's heavy metals, but it can also um, give you an idea of what else you might be dealing with there. So DMSA is a really good provoking agent. And basically it's, it's better for metals than for mold, but it will tease things out of your cell. It'll kind of crack your cell membrane open and, and pull things out. So they're exposed. And then the test works better than, you know, again, you only, um, you only pick up on tests, what you're actually excreting and not what is stored. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, so mold, we talked about provocation and testing. What's your favorite test for mold? Um, the Great Lakes is a pretty decent one. Yeah, it's a good one. Okay. Yeah. And then what does a good mold protocol typically look like? Obviously, you've got to first eradicate whatever's in your environment. Yes, number one. 
Yes. And Absolutely. so once you've done that and your environment is mold free, then what does a good mold protocol typically look like? Oh gosh, it could be many, many months and we like to rotate things, but it's a lot of binders. Now a mold protocol would never just be done all by itself. We want to put, we want to set a foundation because again, there's a lot, there's always like a cofactor. It's not, it's never going to be just the mold. Mold is going to attach itself to something else. So we want to do a baseline of a cellular detox. It's going to pull out metals, environmental toxins, all kinds of things, and then add in a mold protocol, um, maybe after a couple of months. And you're really doing just a lot of heavy binding, but you're doing the cellular detox to basically support the body. You want to support the detox pathways. You need to make sure that your liver, your kidneys, your lymphatic system, everything is working because if you detox improperly, you're just going to recirculate. You're just going to pull things a little bit. They're going to recirculate and they're going to just get reabsorbed, which is worse than just leaving things alone. And we don't want to do that either. Um, so we really need to make sure your body is equipped to release things. Like you said earlier, sometimes these things are stored to protect us. So your body doesn't naturally, you think it would want to naturally get rid of these things, but sometimes it's keeping things as a protective measure because it thinks it's saving your life. So we want to support the body and almost build this trust with yourself and your body that we're going to let these things out now, but we're going to also make sure we have all these catcher's mitts in place by properly binding and rotating. Um, we use a lot of butyrates, like a sodium butyrate, um, potassium butyrate, things that can really just get in and um, attract the mold out of the cell. But there's a constant rotation because if you do the same thing for too long, it's going to stop working. Mm -hmm. So uh, binders are a big part of the protocol. Mm -hmm. um, I remember when my practitioner started uh, me down the protocol, she wanted me to do a lot of lymphatic Yes. Uh, support. So um, I'm doing jumping on the rebounder. I'm doing dry brushing. You know, what can we do to get that lymph, lymph moving? I'm doing sauna, Huge. Um, yeah. taking glutathione while I'm in the sauna. What are some other things that are frequently part of a good detox protocol for mold? Great, great point there. Yeah. You want to keep the lymph moving. You want to also keep the liver really nice and healthy. So coffee enemas are wonderful. Saunas, like you mentioned, and we always want to take binders um, when we are doing a manual manipulation of detox. So anytime you go into a sauna or do a coffee enema, or even get like a deep tissue massage where you're really pushing some stuff out, it's good to go in with some bind or binders um, to kind of just catch anything that might be, you know, triggered loose in your body. Um, dry brushing, like you said, um, castor oil packs. There are some manual manipulation techniques where you can just do like a tapping technique and um, all of your lymph nodes and just to kind of get your, your lymph moving, Epsom salt baths. So doing, you know, supplements are great, but we also want to just do like the, the manual stuff as much as possible and um, really supporting the gut. We really need a nice um, intact gut lining, a really nice, healthy gut lining. So we can even assimilate all of the, the things we're trying to put in our body. So if your gut is a mess, we really need to heal the gut as well. Is that something that you would do before you started doing binders? Yes, I do gut work right away. And we also want to look at the diet. Diet is, it sounds so simple, but it's not. There can be so many stressors in the diet. It's just another one of the stressors that we want to remove um, are food stressors, you know? And so eating things that might be triggering um, your symptoms, you know, it could be healthy things, but we want to figure out what um, you might be eating or um, how often you're eating or not eating enough. I mean, that could be, that could be part of it too. So digging into diet is huge. So I've had several women in the Healing Rosie community uh, reach out to me recently because they know they have a toxicity problem and a mold problem. Their big challenge is they're working with doctors or their bodies are really sensitive, right? And they're working with doctors and they're experiencing so much herxing from the detox that it's it's shutting them down. They obviously 
so uncomfortable, you know, some of the symptoms that get stirred up um, from detox for people that are really sensitive um, can be debilitating, right? So then it's like, how do I find someone who knows how to deal with someone who's really sensitive? It seems the pattern that I've seen in speaking with practitioners that I think are really good in the space, including Dr. Pompa, but there's, you know, there's others too. The, the, the strategy behind um, dealing with someone who's really sensitive is to go very slow. Mm-hmm. I would love for you just to talk a little bit about maybe your experience with patients that are super sensitive oh, yeah. and how, like, do you, what can the patient do to take some initiative around uh, modifying their protocols so that they're able to actually detox? It's not a either or uh, proposition for them. Absolutely. I always say detox is something that, first of all, years, not months, it could take so long to actually get to a place where we feel like we've made a, a lot of progress or that maybe we're like done, even though I don't know if you're ever done. I think the way I view it, I'm sure you do too. Like we're never a work in progress. We're always going to be, you know, honing in on something or perfecting something in our bodies in, in some way. Plus we live in a toxic world. So I think there's, if you travel, if you ever go anywhere, like you're going to need to maintain. But in the beginning, I mean, I look at it like I'm a teacher. I want to teach you how to detox. I don't want to just tell you. I don't want to just tell you what to take, how much to take or lower this or increase that. I want to explain why. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to like, you know, have you take one drop of this and I'm going to have you take one capsule of that. Um, and I want you to understand why I'm telling you this. So in the future, maybe five months from now, maybe we're not working as intimately together. You'll know, you'll remember what I said, you know, but you can always you can always slow down. In fact, I have a lot of clients who are very aggressive and they want to speed it up. You, We can't determine how quickly we detox. The body is going to go at the pace it's going to go at. We're very big into the innate intelligence. Our body really does want to heal. Our body does have the power to heal. We just need to give it the proper tools. But I can't say, I want to detox in three months. That's not up to me. I'm just giving my body the tools and my body is going to go at the pace that it's going to go. And so there is no harm in slowing down. We don't want you to be miserable. I like to say I have very few clients who have ever um, missed a day of work or been like so sick. I mean, they might feel terrible, but we we nip it in the butt and we we make modifications, which is why it's really important to work with somebody who understands detox and not just some one size fits all thing because it's really not it's not super um, easy, especially for those sensitive clients. So you could always way 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 lower the dose. Sometimes increasing binders could be helpful, and again, like the the lymphatic work um, could be huge. Let's talk about metals. So you gave us a little teaser on testing for metals using DMSA. I know you have, um, DMSA can be hard to come by. So maybe you could share with people where they might be able to get DMSA. Um, Ideally, you're still working with the practitioner on this, you guys. I like like the idea because I'm, a patient, like a patient myself and a DIYer myself. I like the idea of being able to figure things out and just do them. And thank God I've been working with a practitioner on this stuff. So I, I, I want you to have the information. And I also want to tell you as with a little mama bear energy to find a good practitioner yes. to work with. So, um, but yeah. talk a little bit about how to do provocation to properly test for metals. Yeah. So DMSA, I do have a really good source. Now I can't predict if this link ever goes away, but it's been around now for a few years. It's uh, called northernhealthproducts.com. Uh, they're based in Canada. It's very, it's almost impossible to find it in the US. So northernhealthproducts.com and you can buy DMSA there. So we use it sometimes for detox itself, but for the provoking agent for a heavy metal test. Now it's a urine challenge test. So um, you are going to take what's called a mega dose of the DMSA. And again, I wouldn't want anyone to do this without proper guidance from a practitioner. And then you collect your urine um, for six hours and you also have to take DMSA as a very short half-life. So you need to take it every four hours around the clock 
for three days. Otherwise, we're going to do what's called that redistribution of toxins. We're going to like pull things out of the cell and then we're going to ignore it and everything's going to go back in and it's going to be dangerous. So we need to do a full detox cycle with it. So one DMSA every four hours for three full days of 72 hours, but you collect your urine for six. Yeah. Including at night, you're going to wake yourself up. Yeah. Got to wake up in the middle of the night. I know it's kind of not fun, but it's important to do it. And if you use the DMSA in your actual heavy metal detox, which we do uh, have a lot of clients on it, same thing, but you're not doing it every day. It's usually three days a week, maybe three days every other week, sometimes three days a month. Um, so it's just pick three days where you don't mind waking up in the middle of the night um, and you'll be better off for it. So that is how you, um, you know, basically provoke it out of your cells. You collect the urine, um, you send the sample in and it's a pretty pretty good test. It's the best test there is, but it's still, I'd say I'd give it a pretty good. It's going to tell you every metal beautifully, but lead and mercury, which are so, so, so deeply embedded, they might, they might register just a little bit, but we know there's a whole lot more than what shows up sometimes. What's the name of the test? Um, it is, um, the doctor's data, 24 hour, um, urine test. It's, uh, it's the 24 hour, um, urine toxic metal test. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Important to know that test name it is for sure all right so we've provoked the metals um now we need to we find out we have certain metals is this a situation like mold where it just depends on what metals you have will determine the binders that you're using or what's the best way to go about metal not necessarily no because we have the binders that we that are tried and true that really cover like all the bases i mean we have clients who are like but i have high this or i have high that now we might give you additional chelators sometimes we stack them depending on what you know something like um DMSA has a real affinity for mercury and lead. So if we suspect that those are your biggest problems, we will for sure put you on DMSA, but it might not be appropriate for everybody. You know, we use um, EDTA. Um, we also love using like a liposomal zeolite product. And then we also like to use like a charcoal activated carbon binder. Um, I think to customize it would be more about how many things you stack and maybe the dosing because some people, you know, might handle very intense doses and some people might not. So yeah. Um, how is the test you described different from a hair test? Same thing as the hair tests only show you what you're excreting. So hair tests are beautiful for minerals. It really can give you a beautiful profile of what your mineral um, balance is, which is another important, you know, key thing we want to look at. But for heavy metals, it's often just showing you what you're excreting in your hair and not what's stored. So it's not, and there's really no provoking agent you could use for the hair test. So um, it's, it might give you a baseline, but it's not, it's not a great test overall for metals. Yeah. So you're basically just going to see what is able to be moved around. Not yeah, the and really people are sick. Stuff. They come here, they come to you, they come to me because they are storing so much and they're not getting rid of it, which is why their symptoms are presenting themselves to them. Yeah. You know, if they were beautifully excreting all the stuff, they wouldn't be in the situation they're in. Right. Okay. Well, this has been awesome. We talked about some of the big, big stressors, what the testing looks like for them, what protocols look like. Thank you so much, Ashley, for spending time with us today and helping to unpack all of this. It's very empowering. I can say as a patient who has struggled with this stuff and knows a lot of smart people and still struggled that just knowing what these great protocols look like so that you can kind of take the temperature of your path to see yeah. if you're really headed in the the right direction can be really, really empowering. So I appreciate you oh spending gosh. some time with us today and Thanks. helping us understand how all this works. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. We'll see y'all soon. Okay. Bye. That's it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. I hope you're feeling more empowered to overcome your flabby, foggy, and fatigued and to reclaim your life. 
If you haven't subscribed yet, don't forget to hit that subscribe button right now so you don't miss any of our episodes. We have some awesome shows coming right up. I love reading your reviews and comments too. They inspire me and encourage other Rosies to hang out with us and learn all these amazing strategies for healing and living our best lives. Till next time, sister. Bye.